Despite a roller coaster of a 2022 Red Sox season, there's a lot of good memories throughout the year, not only with what happened with the team, but also us reflecting on our experience covering the 2022 Red Sox season. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Massachusetts Powers Team Insider, Jake Inazuski. And here, as always, with my co-host, Nessa's Lauren Willand. And this is, I guess, essentially, I, I'm saying that this is our first off-season sort of, sort of podcast. You know, we did the reflection right after, you know, the game. I still feel like that was like a recap of like what was happening during the season. But now... It's in full reflection mode, and it's pretty crazy uh, today. Looking back on you know some of the episodes, the roller coaster of the season, um, and everything that you know we covered of, of this uh, interesting—I think that's the best word to use—of uh, a season for the Red Sox. Yeah, interesting certainly is a good word. Interesting, disappointing, roller coaster. It was—I mean, it was fun covering it, and it was great that we still kept that same energy for 162 games, even if. A hundred of them were miserable, but it's, you know, it's our off season now and I'm excited to be able to leave this season behind us and look ahead to the future. I'm excited for all these rumors, whether they're going to be good or bad, but I'm ready for this busy off season. I, I haven't been this excited or this intrigued by an off season in a very long time. Me too. And I, I got to be honest, it's, it's kind of been a little bit nice to not have tons of stress uh, watching these wild card games of the playoffs thus far and sort of just enjoying it. And, you know, if if a certain team loses, like I'm not I'm not putting money on it or anything like that. So I'm not I'm not super distraught. And, you know, I don't really have any major emotions into it, you know. So it's so it's nice to be able to enjoy just watching baseball and not really getting upset or in some teams you get excited about a little bit. Um but one thing that I noticed this past week uh, really frustrated me. It sort of took me back to 2021. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies using Dancing on My Own for their celebration after winning the wild card game. They could have picked any song. There's billions of songs that you could use. But you decide to use the one singular song that the 2021 Red Sox sort of held their hat on and used as their uh, I guess thing of uh, 2021 and you know 2013, you had the beards. 2018, I don't really know what you had. You were just a good team. But I just saw that and woke up and was like, that's a great way to just slap a Red Sox fan in the face and remind them you're not in the playoffs this year and 2021 is far in the past. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really, honestly, I didn't really care about it. I was just like, oh, you know what? Good for them, whatever. Um, I don't see them getting past the, AL, uh, the ALDS, the NLDS, uh, certainly not the ALDS, but um, – it's they're just having fun, whatever. I'm just like, this is what stress-free baseball is about. And it is nice to just sit back and be like, huh, that's not my team celebrating to crush me and just like eight games later. So happy for the Phillies. Whatever. Leave me some champagne. I certainly could use them. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if it was Kyle though, who was like, This worked for us, you know, last year with, with the Sox and brought us all together. So let's try it here in Philadelphia. Maybe. I mean, I know it was Kevin Ploiecki's thing, and it was Ploiecki and Ben Attendee, and there was somebody else who was involved in the, that song that 
because Plowecki would constantly play it and they were like, shut this off. And he's like, hell no, this, this song is a bop. And that's just kind of how they just wouldn't stop playing it in the clubhouse. So I, I don't think so. I just think that as much as I love Kyle Schwarber, I just think that he didn't have that much of an impact on the Red Sox. Right. That, that's not what I'm trying to say. I mean, like that song wise, he obviously had like mm -hmm. an actual impact with the Red right. Sox, but not like, not Kevin Ploiecki locker room song uh, impact. Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, uh, it was also cool to see, you know, team like the Seattle Mariners, uh, you know, despite yeah. how it all happened, uh, obviously, you know, we're hoping that George Springer's all good and, and everything's all right with, with that sort of situation. But it was really cool to, you know, see a team like the Seattle Mariners be able to come out on top uh, with, the, with the drought that they have of um, over 20 years. Pretty crazy. And uh, it, the one thing that I laughed at after, you know, the, the Rays and the Blue Jays were bumped is I saw on Twitter somebody put, you know, Blue Jays playoff wins, zero. Rays playoff wins, zero. Red Sox playoff wins, zero. And first thing that came to my mind was records don't matter if the outcome's the exact same because they essentially all play to have success in the postseason. And neither the Blue Jays or the Rays had success in the postseason. And we'll see what happens with the Yankees. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Now the the fun starts. The wild card was was great. It was super entertaining. I'm so happy for the Mariners. I really thought that was gonna go three games until they were just like, no, never mind. We we're gonna make this end in two. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun to watch. I I do have some Blue Jays uh, fans friends on Twitter, so I was sad for them. But the Mariners are just such a fun team. They've been fun all season, so I'm really excited for them, and I'm excited to see what both. AL teams will do in the AL all four really but you know anything can happen in the playoffs as we saw last season with the Red Sox so will one team upset the Yankees will they upset the Astros I don't know I mean they're, the Yankees and the Astros are very very good teams right. but like the, the records do not matter in the postseason this is a clean slate for everyone and it's just buckle up because it's going to be a lot of fun I feel like a lot of these series are going to go the distance that's one thing I'm I'm most excited about is to see uh, Seattle have their first like home playoff game like that. Yeah, that's that stadium's gonna go nuts, and that's that's what this time of year is all about. It's sort of like that energy and uh, so, something that um, I, I'm curious your thoughts on was sort of like the new playoff format with the wild cards. You know, I, this was something going into it that you know in my mind I loved the one game to where winner takes all and you know the the adrenaline is all on this one singular game but there was also you know some instances where we saw luck play a factor and you know i, I think that this gave both teams a fair shot uh of, of the better team essentially being able to move on yeah i i like the the wild card i thought last year I wanted more of Red Sox Yankees. I thought the one game was just kind of a tease. And while I understand, like, you kind of have to figure out how to make this kind of a series, I love the three-game format. I feel like they should reseed after the wild card, but maybe that's a discussion to have down the road with MLB. But I, I like the format that they have right now, and I think that if it's going to work, it's they're going to keep it. So, I mean, I think it – we still have the chance to see a Yankees Astros ALCS. We still have a chance to see some of the best teams fight to the death to get to the world series. So it's still a lot of fun. Um, maybe I'll feel different next season when there's different teams involved. Maybe if the Red Sox are involved, but I, I right now I, I like it and I just 
think that they should kind of stick with it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. That's what right. I've said my whole life. And right now it just seems to be working. One, one thing that I didn't realize going into the playoffs though, is, is the importance of that home field advantage. Uh, yeah. I, I, for, for some reason in my mind, I thought they might've split, uh, you know, those three games in, into, you know, two different places. Uh, but r- really it's, it's, it's so important and crucial in, in that wild card series to be able to have a home field advantage. We, we know obviously how important that is, but especially have all those three games. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think that's what I like the most is that there's no travel involved. So there's no, like real travel stress on either team. Like, yes, it sucks for the away team to not have that, their home crowd behind them playing at their own ballpark, sleeping in their own bed. So I I get that, but I loved the energy throughout every single series. It was so loud. The fans were going nuts. And even though the Mets lost, I don't know if you saw this, but Francisco Lindor's daughter was like, the cutest thing in the post-game press conference, she was, uh, Francisco Lindor was talking, and she was like, hey, Buck! Because he's like, oh, yeah, Buck, like, Buck left. And she, I guess she's obsessed with Buck Showalter, which is just, like, the cutest thing. If you haven't seen this video, you can just Google Francisco Lindor's daughter, and you will find it. And I was like, this is the best thing to come out of, like, this NL, the, the NL wild card. So that was a lot of fun. But, like, the crowd itself, yes, it was home field advantage. I People can tell you it's a myth. People can tell you that it doesn't matter. And sometimes it doesn't. But mm-hmm. definitely in a wild card series like that, you definitely have the advantage being at your home field, having your home crowd behind you. I mean, you could look at the Mariners. They didn't need to be in their hometown or their home field at all. Yeah. But neither did the Mets, unfortunately. But I love that. I love the postseason energy because I feel like you can feel it from just right through your TV. Like I said, so loud. Everyone is just on their feet constantly. Every single pitch matters in the postseason to these fans. And it is a lot of fun. I was watching the Cardinals Phillies game and the the Cardinals look like they make, they could have tied it or won it in the ninth and a walk off. And I'm like, this is not how Albert's career ends. No. So that was a little, a little bit sad, but yeah, it was tough. The energy throughout the entire, every single series I thought was just incredible and made me miss the Red Sox in the postseason for that. But also I'm like, stress-free baseball, Lauren. Let's, let's put your mind where it should be stress-free baseball. And you know, you, there's pluses and minuses, but I I hope it's not this every other uh, going forward to where, you know, the stocks are either in or they're not every other year. Uh, But I I completely agree that, um, you know, that energy is, is just incredible. Um, And, and, that's one of the biggest things that like I noticed when I went to my first Red Sox postseason game last year. And, you know, granted it was, uh, you know, game three of, of the Rays series. So it was, it was, and they were ultimately able to win after that. So it was so crucial, but um, the, the buck thing was also hysterical too. Cause my dad's a huge buck show Walter fan. He just, he just thinks it's cool. You know, how he, how he interacts with the media and how he goes about his business and how very old school he is. And so um, I, I don't know. So I don't know if you saw um, the version. So, mainly the version that's going around is in the real version of just Lindor and his daughter. But yeah. th- there was a version where it showed Pete Alonzo. Yeah. And, she and, and, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so like, I, I saw that whole other vantage point. I'm like, this makes it even better. Like, this is awesome. Cause then you also get to see Pete's like reaction to like her, her, you know, talking to Buck and everything like that. But um, it, it also just makes you think like, especially with some of these teams, they're going to look completely different next season. Who, who knows, you know, where, where they'll be as well. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think in the postseason that 
these teams, a lot of them are going to look different. And I specifically think about the Cardinals. And that's an end of an era right there with Molino, Wainwright, Pujols. Like, that is my childhood. Just completely just walked off the field at the same yeah. time. There, and I don't know if, if, if uh, Wainwright officially said he was going to retire. I can't remember. But it's still, regardless, just end of an era there. But then you think of other teams that have so many question marks going into next season. Free agents. Are they going to be able to opt out? Are they going to be able to re-sign their big players? And are they going to be in the postseason? Like, are they, I feel like the, the Braves and the Mariners, like they're going to be around for a little while. But especially the Braves, like I just I want to know what they're doing to get all this endless money. And if I can have some, I would really, really appreciate it. But, you see the Spencer Strider thing? Are you yeah, kidding me? Like, like so the pass and put out the whole thing, and it's like they have they, they have like three guys until 2030 and then the rest of them are until 2027, 2028, like Heim, like crazy. take notes. It's yeah, exactly. Like they're doing it right. They're getting their, their young promising players locked up They They know they've been out of the postseason for a long time and they don't want that to happen again. And they can recognize the talent that they have. I don't like the longer term contract. I think like eight years is as far as I go, but yeah. then I think about 2030 where I'm like, Jesus, that's a long <laughs> time from now. Like good yeah. for them. Like if they want to be, a contender for years to come they're doing everything the right way we also see with striders uh you, you know the the year by year salary i mean for the next three years he's he's getting um one next year he's getting four the next two years and then like once he starts to really get into his prime they're only paying him 22 million dollars and this guy was one of the best pitchers in their rotation and you know especially once they get to that 2020 2025 2026 you know Top top end pitchers are going to be getting paid 35, 40, 45. You know what I mean? And so it's really, it's really cool to see uh, you know, how smart Alex Antonopoulos is, is really maneuvering the, this roster. And you know, especially when they first started their rebuild, that's one of the biggest things is is you know, not only having like a window. We see a lot of these teams like the Cincinnati Reds. Sorry, Jeff, to call you out, but um, you know, some of these other teams who, you know, go through a rebuild every three or four years and they have that specific window of being able to have continuous sort of success, which we've seen with the Dodgers and Hopefully we see with with the Red Sox as as Heim has promised. Uh, you know, I I hope you know we we see Cassis in the next two years maybe get a maybe get you know four or five year deal to just cover the arbitration period and, and you know maybe get one or two years of his free agency. You know we saw that with Whitlock, he got a four year deal and until I think 2024-2025. But you know once you start to see the talent, like just take advantage of it because if, if they did this with Devers and Bogey, we wouldn't even be having any of the conversations that we would have this year. We'd probably be having a very different season if they could get a decent roster. And the roster is decent. I know that. And we'll break it down throughout the offseason as well, like where things went wrong and whatever. But like you said, Hiam, take notes because this is what the Red Sox is what other teams should be doing. If you want to build a contending team for seasons to come, you have to put trust and put faith into your young talent because mm -hmm. they're what's going to carry you. Yes, it's great to have – the veterans on your team, of course, like they make your team, but the future is now and you need to get these younger guys locked up. You need to get your bigger veteran guys locked up. And that's just, that's at Red Sox. But you know, I love, I love what the Mariners are doing. And they're kind of, I feel like they're almost setting an example here being like, we're serious. We're serious about our talent. We care about our fans and we mm. want to put a good product on the field. This is what we're going to do to make it happen. And, and I said the Mariners, I meant the Braves, um, but in the Mariners they too. Did too. Yeah. But yeah, but the Mariners too. And I think the Braves too. I mean, the Braves have been good, but it's just when I see these teams 
put all this, the, the money toward their talent. They sign their talent. They have faith in their talent. They want to see their fans happy. I sit there and I'm like, okay, the Red Sox will do it. They're, this is going to be the year they don't let me down. So I'm going to be naive every year until they don't let me down. So this year will be no different. And they also have that core too. Like that, that's the one thing that I think about is like when, when kids go to like buy their t-shirt or whatever, they know that this they're going to be on the team for six to seven years. It's not like right. some of these guys for the Red Sox. I'm like, well, are they going to be here in three years? Who freaking knows? Right. Uh, but you know, hopefully Han can take some notes and we can start feeling a little bit more secure about the future of this team. But uh, we're going to reflect a little bit in our second segment, talk about some of our favorite memories from the Red Sox and also our time covering as well. But before we do that, I just want to take a second to talk to you about Simply Safe. So the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. And don't earn, you don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know that because I use Simply Safe in my own home and they protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. And here's why I love it I'm somebody who I, I always want to make sure that my stuff is going to be safe, secure, and that, you know, when I leave or I, I, I'm not around my house, that, you know, somebody else is helping me be able to watch my precious belongings. And um, I've, I've had a few scary run-ins with this, and Simply Safe has been great to be able to help me with that. They have 24-7 professional monitoring, and you can call their agents at any moment, anytime there's a threat detected, and they dispatch to police or first responders in that emergency. And it's essentially your blanket on your home for protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door with HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. So customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So getting into continuing to reflect on this interesting season. I'm going to keep on using that word, but uh, there was a lot of good moments. There was a lot of tough moments, but um, the first one that came to mind for me, uh, you know, when I first thought about doing this topic uh, was the Nick Pavetta complete game. Uh, this was right after he had that really tough April where I think his ERA was up in eight or nine. And uh, I, I, I don't even think he won a game throughout April. I, I think he was winless. And, uh, then he just came onto the mound and, you know, had an incredible complete game and uh, only only allowed one earned run. But, you know, that's sort of when uh, his my confidence in him sort of reignited of, all right, this is this is what we've been waiting for. This is sort of the Nick Pavetta that we expected. Yeah, that was a really good moment for the Red Sox and especially for Pavetta. He really showed that he could be a stable pitcher last season. And this year he didn't, he started off like 0 and 5, and we we're like, oh no, like this is not going to be good. But it was really good to see him get that game, and it was really good for the Red Sox. And that was during a time when I was like, okay, the Red Sox, they could still have a really decent chance here at making a postseason run, even though it's still early in the season. But it was nice to see Pavetta go out there, take control, take command, and just be confident the entire game. We don't see a lot of complete games this year, and I think the Red Sox had three of them this season. So that was that was a lot of fun that Nick Nick Pavetta could contribute to that. I love Nick Pavetta. I am a Nick Pavetta apologist. I love this guy, <laughs> and just to see him get that complete game was like a big win in my book. 
Well, we were a bit very oblivious at that time, thinking, you know, it's 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 early, it's early, like, but oh, we had confidence, you know, you know, we we had a we had oblivious confidence, and that's what you gotta have in your favorite team, you know, that's just what you gotta have. But uh, the the other moment that you know I, I saw somebody mention is uh, Ref Schneider's walk off, and mm-hmm. this was later in the season, but it, this was the first time in a while, and I, I think I said this when when we talked about it on the pod was. This is the first time in a little bit where, you know, I was super excited watching the game. And, you know, I was on the edge of my seat seeing, you know, them score four runs in the ninth against the Texas Rangers, despite it being a team like the Rangers. It was it was just cool to be able to be back super excited about about your team getting a great win. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, too. And I believe I could be wrong, but I believe that snapped one of their longer losing streaks. And it was just a really good moment. It's good to see Ref Schneider, too. I mean, he's somebody who's kind of. Like, who is this guy? Why did why do we have this guy? Why is he on the roster? So to see him just come through really, really clutch for the Red Sox, I very much enjoyed that moment for him. I always love a good underdog story, too. So when someone's in a position to win the game for their team where you think that they're probably not going to do anything and then they do the, they do the thing, it mm-hmm. just makes for just a, such a fun story and a really good moment in a season that didn't really have a lot of fantastic standout moments. You talk about sort of like that underdog and, you know, that person who you don't expect being able to come up in the clutch. It's uh, Frenchie Cordero. Uh, yeah. We had we had one of our followers, Brian Farns. He, he said Frenchie Cordero's walk off grand slam, which he said he was watching on his phone during a wedding, which I to me, it wouldn't have mattered if the if the, you know, the, the celebration was going on or they were walking down the aisle. Like, Let's go. Like, I, <laughs> I, I would have been like, I'm sorry. The Red Sox just won. And you don't realize, but Frenchie Cordero just hit a walk off home run. You might, grand slam. You might not know who he is, but this is a big deal. Yeah, this that was fun. I remember it was the day of my bridal shower and um, Derek and my one of my bridesmaids, we had gone to a brewery right after to catch the end of the game. And we were three of like five people in there. and we screamed so loud it was just i mean yeah we had all had a couple drinks in us at that at that time too but um and my friend made it even better my bridesmaid who was with me was a yankees fan so it was a lot of fun and she loves franchi cordero she's a worcester red sox season ticket holder and she loves franchi she's just like she has so many good stories about him as well and so that's really nice to hear and it was just kind of like nice to be like, hey, your favorite Red Sox player on your least favorite Red Sox team just <laughs> walked off the game with a grand slam against your team. I think they were playing the Yankees. But and, and, that, and that was like that was when he was like on a tear, too. And, yeah, and so that like, was, we were like, was, holy crap, what is going on? <laughs> that was a time where I was like, he's never going back to Worcester. Like he's staying in Boston. That was that was a really fun moment. Like I said, it was nice to be able to be with my Yankees fan friend and then Derek and just also like being on like the high of like my bridal shower that day. Mm -hmm. And that was just the perfect way to cap it off. And one of, I mean, we already talked about complete games, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Waka's complete game and of all these complete game as well. Just those were two shining moments in this season. And especially for someone like Waka, because he was so good all season. He spent a month or whatever on the IL and still was the Red Sox best pitcher yeah. all season. So to see him just see him do that, go on the IL and just not miss a beat until like the last two games of the season, that I absolutely love that. And I love that for Ovaldi too, because mm-hmm. he's probably not coming back next year. And he's been so important to this team throughout his four or five years here. And he continued to prove that with you know the complete game. He didn't have the season that he wanted or that the Red Sox fans wanted. 
but he still showed that he is still a valuable pitcher. But Michael Waka, like there, I think anytime Michael Waka pitched, we can just mark that as like one of my favorite moments of the season. I mean, you could even bring up too, even though like this isn't Boston Red Sox, Worcester Red Sox, when it when he went down for his rehab assignment is is no hitter. I, I remember I was there, yes. not not even really expecting much, and then you know I'm I'm you know talking to Michael Walker about his no hitter, like that that was that was pretty crazy, especially you know I, I've seen a no hitter before, but as a fan, but to be able to like cover it and and you know be around the people who actually did it uh, was a pretty crazy experience. Yeah, that's that's fun too. I think Worcester too. Just they were full of a lot of fun this year. They were just a really good bunch of dudes playing baseball, just having a lot of fun. And it was nice to see too, like when Michael Walker would go down there, and even Chris Sale, Nate Valdi, just have that veteran presence there, and to just kind of have that, you know, that maybe that extra motivation to be like, oh yeah, I definitely want to be in the in the major leagues. Unfortunately, some people in the minors never reach the major leagues. But if you can kind of give them a little bit more confidence, it's always fun when they go down there. It's always fun to see how they react, and of course, it's always fun to see a minor league ballpark pretty much sold out simply because you have Michael Walker on the mound. Yeah. I mean, I, even though we're, we're going a little bit ahead, like that's got to be like my, some of my favorite moments of, of this season it was just being in Worcester. Um, yeah. You know, I, I had the opportunity to talk to sale, Waka, Arroyo, um, Cassis, Downs, Wong, Siebold, you know, just so many people that, you know, even when, even when we like first started being co-hosts, I remember I sent you people that like I, I wanted to interview and tried to reach out to him, wasn't able to get in contact, but just through like the Woo Sox having the opportunity to be a medium, we were able to make that happen. Um, and from from me going from a fan to, you know, now being a media member was, was a really cool um, experience as well. And, um, you know, also just like the energy there was was, was just insane any anytime I went. Yeah, they it, very good energy. And I think, I don't know if it's between having an, a brand new ballpark and having a very exciting team, but just the energy anytime I was there, it was just awesome. Even from the away team too, like it was just really fun energy. And I know that minor league baseball is really good for families and for kids. So you get that different kind of energy, but it was just so fun to go every single time that I went. It was, even if they lost, it was never a bad time. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And uh, one, one last uh, response that we got uh, for, for like the Red Sox favorite memories was uh, T Chats said uh, Rafi's two home run game against Garrett Cole because he it's always yeah. fun to see uh, <laughs> big, big scoops kill uh, Garrett Cole. Yeah, that's I mean, that's going to be fun to watch for years to come. Just how much Rafael Devers is so good against Garrett Cole and how bad Garrett Cole is against the Red Sox. And it's just funny how really good pitchers can struggle against one specific team. It's just, that's something that's always like, my brain's just never going to be able to wrap around. Like, why are you so good at your job, but you suck so bad against one team and one team only? Like, what is it about this team? So it's going to be fun to see Raphael Devers continue to just own Garrett Cole at the plate. And hopefully it's going to be with the Red Sox for many, many years to come. Did you see his hype up speech? Yes. I was like, oh man, I'm going to play this every morning to get me out of bed. That's how much it hyped me up. <laughs> I, I'm curious to hear what Stacy thought of it. And, and oh, them over I there know. on Locked on Yankees, like, I mean, and Carabas killed me when he was like, I could run through a wall after hearing <laughs> this. I'm like, all right, Jared, you're killing me. Um, but for, for you, what, what was some of your favorite memories, whether it was, you know, covering the team throughout the season or just, um, you know, what they did? 
Yeah, I think, you know, Franchi's moment, like I said, really stood out to me. Just it, like I said, it was just a very, very fun day. It was I was on cloud nine all day, riding high, and Franchi just made it that much better. Uh, the complete games, of course. Um, and I just, as much as it was a crappy season, everything they did in June, I just loved. Because that was the month where I was like, this is it. They're giving us way too much hope, but I'm going to ride with it because this team looks legit in June. I think they had, they were in 20 and six or they had 20 wins. It was ridiculous what they did in June. And I was like, at that time we still had hope they, you know, we're like, Chris sales going to come back. Mm-hmm. And like, we were very naive and looking back, we're like, Oh God, this aged horribly. Um, but you know, everything in June and then also the little league classic and not so yeah. much the, the game, but the beforehand, you saw Alex Cora riding down the yeah. hill with his twin boys and, just something so sweet and very humanizing about that, where it's like you, we forget that athletes are humans and that managers and anyone who works in, in sports when they're athletes, we sometimes forget that they are humans. Yeah. So, and we know how much Alex Cora loves his, his twins and his daughter as well. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see just the fun they were having and something that could be a once in a lifetime opportunity for some of these guys. So that really stood out to me. Like I said, it was just not even so much the game, which was great, but just, the fun bef- had beforehand everyone's smiling and laughing and just being like who cares about baseball right now like we get to be with our families we get to be our like our shamelessly or yeah shamelessly be ourselves and yeah. just ride down on this hill on this toboggan when <laughs> and it, was, it just looked fun and i was like this this is going to be a good season again i was very naive but i really like those like that specific moment because i was like you know what you look back at the season it, it bad as it was and as frustrating as it was you still have those fun little moments to look back on where it's like ah oh, alex cora riding down the hill with his twins yeah. like so pure so such a pure <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was really cool and you know you, you saw some of those guys who you know are are in their mid to late 20s just like or in 30s some uh just tur- just turn into like five-year-olds you know what i mean yeah. just like oh and it was also cool to see them interact with, with some of the kids who were playing in the little league classic as well um but just overall it was it was uh you know not not only in this episode but just throughout today just just reminiscing on on, on throughout the season like there's a lot of good moments, but you know, th- there's also some frustrating moments as well. And um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to you know reflect on the season, talk about you know s- some of the predictions that we were wrong about, you know, talk about um, you know some of the things that you know maybe surprised us. But look for more of those uh, later on uh, throughout this off season and in this month as well. Uh, but we're, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. But uh, other than that, I just also want to mention too um, is World Mental Health Day. And that's one of the things that we always speak about is, is our mental health minute. And um, I, especially, I, I think especially on this day, uh, it's so important to, uh, you know, practice and, you know, t- talk about and promote the fact of being vulnerable and talking about your struggles and, um, you know, also being able to have those resources, whether it's, you know, those friends or family that you're able to speak to or being able to, you know, have a journal or, or med- meditate or essential oils, whatever it is that helps you be able to relieve some of the struggles that you may be having. It's so important to be able to have those. Yeah. And I think it's very important too, to remember that mental health isn't linear. So it's what, how you deal with your anxiety, with your depression, with whatever you have going on, just because someone else doesn't do it, doesn't mean it's, it's wrong. You can, figure out how to maintain your own mental health for what's best for you, whether that's therapy, which I would highly recommend therapy. I mean, it is, 
whether you think you like nothing is really wrong with mm -hmm. you, you don't have to have something quote unquote wrong with you to go to therapy. Sometimes you just need a third party to chat with and you realize how how much it improves your mental health, even if you're even if you don't have anxiety, depression, or anything. But it's really important, like you said, to find something that works for you. Journaling, meditating, working out. And it, but it's also very important too to just listen to your body. And it's it's okay if you spend all day on the couch binge watching your favorite show. If that's how you reset, if that's kind of how you get back to a, a better place, do it. And if it means eating out and going to crappy fast food places, do it. It's one day, one day of making yourself happy is not going to set you back by miles upon miles or anything. So it's not a linear journey. It's your journey. And you just have to keep paving it because you can look back a year from now and realize how far you've come. And it's just the smaller things sometimes you realize make yourself a bit happier. I spent all day on the couch mm -hmm. Sunday, just did absolutely nothing. And it made me... This morning, I saw that my alarm still made me very upset when I woke up, but it made for a better day just knowing, like, I did absolutely nothing yesterday except watch football and eat Buffalo Wild Wings. That's all I did. And it was a fantastic day just and a good reset, too. And, and that's also another thing, too, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about as well, like, being nice to yourself. And you're, yes. like, you, you, can, you can focus on the external forces that will help you be happy as well, but also the internal forces. You're, you're, you're essentially the only person who can make yourself happy. You know, there, there could be somebody who makes a comment on to you or, or whatever who, who might put your mood down, but, like, you're the only one who controls how you react to that. But also, yes. you're the only one that controls what you say to yourself. And there's a lot of times when, you know, people don't do anything for a day. I'm very unproductive, you know, comparing themselves to other people. I'm, I'm, I need to stop being lazy and uh, you're just being able to be nice to yourself and indulge in some of those days is, is very important as well. Um, but we'll, we'll end on that and, you know, we'll continue to, you know, speak about some of our experiences with, with some of our struggles to, to be able to help you. That's why we do it. And um, I, I love that, you know, th that uh, especially this subject is being a lot more talked about. And now that there's a day associated with it, I, I, I think that's pretty cool. And, you know, if you're watching the video version, you can read my sweatshirt. It's okay to not be okay. Um, and it's it's funny because I always refer to the video version and you know, people who are listening, like, what the heck are you talking about? It's okay, <laughs> not be okay. Um, but we'll end it there. As always, greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, if you want to tweet us any ideas of stuff that you want to hear us talk about or or anything like that, um, you can follow us over there. It's L O underscore Red Sox. You can also follow myself, it's at Jake Iggy and also Lauren. It's la la la, three laws, Lauren with four R's. But we greatly appreciate everybody making Locked On Red Sox their first listen of every single day. You can make your second listen Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him solely, uses his unique perspective and humor to keep you updated about everything that is going on around Major League Baseball. Make sure to go over and follow them on the Odyssey app or whatever you get your podcast. But we'll be kicking it five days a week, keeping you updated about what's going on, not only about the team, but also reflecting about the, the this past season and also bringing on some great guests as well. So stay tuned for that throughout this week. But we'll end it how we always end it. Let's go socks. Peace. <laughs>